Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. I have said often, um, moments like this, that I don't have... um, I enjoy preaching, don't get me wrong, but I don't have preacher's itch. I feel like I must preach every time, but I do feel the Lord has put something in my heart for today, and I'm thankful for every facet of the move of God in song, in teaching, in our praise and our worship and our receptivity to His presence and power. I wonder today, I know that already in this service, thank you, Brother Rayleigh, for just obeying the Lord today and touching uh, all of our heartstrings. My wife leaned over to me while he was teaching, and she said, it's almost as though he were listening to our conversation last night in our home. And uh, so many things just right down the line. And I just ask you, if you will... Um, I understand a little bit about humanity. So I'm just going to ask you, if you will, to take a deep breath, physically and spiritually. And can you join with me now for just a little while? And I know that may be a relative term, but a little while in the full scope of things. And let the Spirit of the Holy Ghost speak to our heart here today. Amen. I want to just preface some of my comments. I understand that you're standing. But I taught... Uh, Wednesday night about the engrafted word of the Lord and how that we need to have a prepared heart when we come into the house of God that we need to anticipate every service. We shouldn't think about Sunday at the stroke of midnight on Saturday. We shouldn't be thinking about Wednesday night service just an hour or two before we gather. But I think we ought to let something just be turning over in our spirit Every day when we leave here, this service will be done. It will be over. It will be history. We can't get back to today. But we want to just let the Spirit of the Lord start leading us to Wednesday. Amen? And prepare our hearts and our lives for for His Word in this place today. Last Sunday, I uh, spoke to you on the subject of voices. And I just can't get away from this. And so I'm going to use that same title again today, perhaps a different angle, but just ask the Lord to touch us this morning. Amen. Do you think you can help me? Amen. I don't want to just talk to you, talk at you. Amen. I want us to be connected in the spirit of the Lord. The book of Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, and um, just pray that the hand of the Lord will touch us and that his voice will speak to our heart. And the Bible says in the Revelation 1, 2 and 1, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, 
These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and hast and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Sounds like a pretty good resume up to verse number four. And then he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I ask you to just touch my mind and my heart. I just want to be a clay in your hand today, just a voice in your hand. And I pray that you'll just anoint us together in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated in the fear of the Lord and thank you for your attentive spirit. The wording of verse 4 I think is very important. The wording of the last portion of verse 4. And that is that John said that they had left their first love. That's often misquoted or at least has been misstated by saying that they had lost their first love. They didn't lose it, they left it. And there's a tremendous difference between losing something and leaving something. I, like most anyone else in this building, perhaps at some point in your life, have been guilty of losing valuable things or things at least valuable to me. And so it wasn't through carelessness. It wasn't because I didn't care or that that item didn't matter or that it didn't even have net worth, but more often than that, sentimental worth. Things have become lost to me. I remember several years ago, I'm not, um, I probably, I don't even know, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, I was a more avid collector of pens than I am today, but um, I remember reading about a, a pen, a writing pen, and um, I went into a store, and we were just out of town somewhere, I don't even remember the details about it, but just uh, my wife was walking through some one part of the shop, I was walking through another part of the shop, and I realized that a certain pen I had read about was in that counter, and it was marked down to an unbelievable low price. Um, and I knew the value of that pen. And uh, I bought the pen. I, I really bought it. It had more than just literal value, but uh, there was a good friend of mine who uh, had talked to me about it. This was kind of one of his favorite type pens, and, and I purchased that pen somewhere through the course of time. It had literal worth to me. I'm not talking about thousands of dollars, but it, it had literal worth, but it also had sentimental value to me because every time I saw that pen, it made me think of an elder minister friend of mine who had ever even mentioned the pen to me. That pen was lost for a number of years. I just couldn't believe it. I was just disappointed in myself that something that was meant something to me. How would you, how would you misplace that? I have most of my pens in a certain area, a lot of them in my office that are just there. They have value, each one of them. I don't just collect to collect, but most every one of them has some sort of story. I'll never forget, just maybe a couple of years ago, I was going through um, 
a little thing, a little storage drawer in, in uh, our home, and I found that pen. I was so excited because I had lost it. I, it meant something to me. And I thought, Betty, I will put this today where I know where it will be from now on because we can lose even things that are valuable to us. Amen. I, I didn't mean to take so much of that time, time with that, but some things that are lost to us are lost forever. And some things that are lost are just lost for a season. Amen. Losing something is equated to an accident. I didn't mean to lose that. I've lost keys before. And I've had those well-meaning people that ask me, where, where were you the last time you had them? And if I was standing where I was the last time I had them, they would not be lost to me. I would probably still remember that moment. If I could get back to there in my mind, then the word loss would not be in this equation. But uh, it has that connotation of an accident, not something done with intention. However, when you leave something, now that's an altogether different thing. When you leave something, that has the, the overtone of you turned and walked away or there was a conscious decision or perhaps it was uh, migratory in nature. Maybe we didn't just turn and run, dash away, but we just began to drift and we left and we found that in a moment's time that we had drifted away from where the Lord uh, or from where something in life, we walked away from that. That seems intentional in nature, not always, but you distance yourself. There was something, uh, whether it was as much as carelessness on our part that caused us to distance ourselves. Perhaps in those situations, not where we lost something, but where we left something. Perhaps in those situations where it's been left, it's not really lost. We know where it is. We could get back there if we wanted to. It's something that we left. We walked away from it. We may have drifted from the dock, but you can still see the dock and you know how to get back there. Now, I don't, I don't want to forever in my heart, I don't ever want to forget the first love that I had for the Lord. Now, I, I think it would be for me a little bit hard because I was raised in the church to maybe get back to the intersection of my exact first love, but I think maybe you know what, where I'm, or what I'm talking about today. I don't want to drift away from those things that were so passionate in my heart about the kingdom of God, looking forward to every service, looking forward to with great anticipation to whatever may happen, every song, every sermon. There was just something in my young heart in that moment of young love. I don't want to drift so far from the shore that I lose the touch of the faith that calls me to look at mountains and just and, and not allow them to, to cause a shadow of doubt to come across my path. We've all been there in those seasons of young love. Amen, where we were not ignorant. I'm not speaking of that, or we were not walking foolishly or walking amiss, but no matter what was in our path, we just had that young faith in God that God could and that he would see us through. And in fact, we did watch God time and time and time again stand in our and on our behalf. I don't want to lose my passion 
for serving the Lord. Amen. I don't want to lose my passion in serving the Lord. Amen. Our, and our youth and our young people in the last few weeks, they have been a part of youth camps as they do every year. And uh, a phrase got back to me. I'm not sure, sure who coined it or if it was just born among our youth. That's, that part is not important. But that they came home with this feeling that we are going to change this church through prayer. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. That encouraged the heart of this shepherd today that our young people went to a meeting and came home and, and, and they in their heart of hearts said we just want to connect to something and we all understand today that many things and uh, many obstacles may lay in their path and they may stumble but you know what if they could just somehow hold on to that ground rod that even in my moment of failure that I, I don't want to forget that first love I don't think we have to lose it I don't think we have to leave it I think that we can hold on to that amen that childlike faith to touch the our heart one more time many people have felt overwhelmed by the responsibility that God was laying on their heart. All through scripture, we can find people uh, that we would maybe even think as people of renown that just felt overwhelmed by the task at hand. Very quickly, uh, this morning, my mind went to men like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah who looked at the path before them and the trials and the tribulations around them. And they all reached similar conclusions. Amen. One said, I will not make mention of his name again. I'm just done. I will wash my hands of this situation. I will just walk away. The task is too high. It is the mountain too formidable. However, there was something burning in their soul that was taller than the mountain and greater than the obstacle, a fervor that was more intense than they can dare imagine. As one man said, when I thought I would never speak it again, I found it to be like fire shut up in my bones. I found something, in, I found something that took me back to my youth. I found something that kind of reset the dial. Amen. Therefore, they needed only a fresh <clears throat> touch from the Lord to set them back on fire again. And so I say, may the Lord touch us again as a church with a fresh touch. May he visit us again with a fresh touch and may the sins of the world and the sins of our nation be enough to drive us to a place of intercession. Let me say that again. Amen. May the Lord visit us one more time and let us look around our world and around our nation and the sins of our nation be enough to drive us to an altar altar of prayer and intercession. Amen. To do what our young people have said, change, be changed by the spirit of prayer. When we think about, when we think about the, the abortions that take place around our nation every day, that ought to be enough to startle us to silence, to think as a nation that we would so freely ignore the will of God and the word of God. Amen. When he talked about while you were in the womb, I knew you. Amen. I, for my hand had touched you. Amen. Before there, when we think about 
that today, that alone ought to be enough to drive us to a place of absolute intercessory prayer. When we think about the sins of our nation, the sins of our world, but can I just bring that home today because we get a little bit lost thinking about the world. We get a little overwhelmed thinking about our nation, but I wonder if it would not be just the sin of our own community, the sins of the very neighborhoods that we live in, the sins of the cities that we live in and work in and dwell in, the sins that are in the schools that our children and not just our own personal children but the children of our community are being raised in, the atmosphere that is setting the trajectory of their thought process and how they feel about sin and how they feel about worldliness, those ought to be enough because you see that's not happening in a, a, around the globe, that's not just happening on the west coast or the east coast or in the far reaches of the north or in the southern tip of Key West but that's going on right here at home, amen, you name your city, amen, it's going on right there, you name your community it's going on right there, you name your school, it's happening right there and so that ought to be enough to drive, amen a people that are called by his name to an altar of prayer that said I, I know what this world needs, amen they don't need just, please don't take this out of context, they don't need just another song and they don't need just another bass lyric and they don't need just another catchy phrase or a tune, a tune but what our what our world needs are voices amen, voices that will lift themselves, voices that will raise in this hour and say God, I believe that through prayer from the, from the vantage point of my own home amen, from the bedside or from the chair in the den amen, wherever it may be that you call upon the name of the Lord I believe that I can make a difference from right there, I may never have a world stage, I may never have a world microphone in my hand, but when I kneel down in my home, hallelujah when I walk the aisles of this church, I've got more than a world stage, I've got more than a world microphone in my hand, I've got all the attention of heaven at my beck and call he hears our voice and he understands our plea Praise God. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? <laughs> Praise his holy and righteous name. Praise God. Praise God. And so can we still find that place? And I know this particular reverence is is reaching to the priest and things of that nature. I get, I get the context of the scripture, but can we find that place between the porch and the altar? Amen. Have we lost the address of that place between the porch and the altar where we would, where we would travail, amen, on behalf of the lostness of mankind? I say today, where are the voices of intercession? Have our prayers become so self-centered that we can't reach beyond our own family, our own walls? Are we too inverted to serve the generation that God is calling us to serve? I challenge us tonight or today to open our heart and we need to open our mouth because God is still looking and searching for someone that would stand in the gap and build a bridge through prayer. I don't think I'm alone today. I don't even think I'm almost alone. I don't think I'm just in the company of a few today. 
today that would agree with me. I feel like I am where I am because when I didn't have the sense enough to pray for myself, somebody was calling my name in prayer. Amen. When my eyes was somewhere else when I was gazing over another fence and when the world had my attention for a season and my affection for a while, someone was not dissuaded by that. Someone, someone believed that there's still something workable here. There may have been times in my heart I wanted to serve God, but my feet were leading me down another path, but somebody kept calling my name in prayer. Someone, I, I remember one night a young couple at that time, a young married couple in this church who were mentors to me. We were sitting in my mom and dad's front yard in their vehicle, and they were talking to me about getting closer to God, and at the time, that just wasn't what I wanted to hear. Amen, I didn't know if that's what I wanted to hear at that time. Amen, and they said, you can, you might can stop listening to us. Amen, you might can even stop us from talking to you, but you can't stop us from praying for you. And I'm gonna believe that night, amen, when they left what they thought was just when what, and I'm sure a fair assessment, when they left the driveway of a stubborn, a stubborn teenager, amen, that was trying to resist the will of God. Amen, I might have tuned them out with these ears, but heaven didn't tune them out. And they kept praying, and they kept praying, and they kept chipping away at that spiritual divide. Amen, and they said, we can build a bridge. I believe today that I am in this pulpit, that I am holding this microphone. I believe today that I am in the ministry and serving this church as your pastor because somebody said, you can't stop my voice. I'm gonna call your name in prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I say today, where are the voices of the church? Don't let us be silented and do not allow us to be mute. I believe that we involve ourselves in things. Amen, truly. I believe that we involve our, it's easy for us to involve ourselves in things where we feel like we're making a difference. Amen. Let me say it again, I was moving kind of fast. We are more apt to involve ourselves in things when we feel like what we're doing is making a difference. I think that's one reason that I enjoy cutting our grass. I'm not being funny. I really think it's one of the reasons I enjoy cutting our grass. Because when I get down to this end and turn around, it's pretty gratifying to see where you have been when it's pretty gratifying at the end of the day. Now, I'm not just, I'm not just a maniac about it, but, but if we've been out in the yard working, sometimes we're just hot and tired, and maybe at the end of the day after we've had our shower and perhaps even had supper and cleaned up, we might just walk out in the yard and just kind of view something because we feel like what we've done has made a difference. And so it's easy to connect yourself to things that you feel are making a difference in things. Maybe someone gives to missions and, and you see as an end result of that. And let me just testify here just a moment at our men's conference. Uh, there was, a, there was a, something presented about building a church in Haiti and it would, for the cost of, uh, uh, for the cost of uh, I think it was $30,000, we could build that building. And I got a report the other day and I'm sure the remainder of that has come in. But 
already at that particular moment from that one day's offering. And if you were there, you understand how smoothly that went in just a very, very few minutes, just a presentation. A need was presented and uh, just under just under $28,000 was received in just a few moments. It's gratifying when we feel like that what we're doing is making a difference. Just a few weeks later, just a few weeks later, uh, to, to furnish that building, uh, to furnish that building, they presented that need of furnishing the building for $10,000 at our ladies' conference, and that $10,000 was raised right there. It's easy to do that. Praise God for that, by the way. Amen. Thank you for, amen. Thank you for uh, all that you do to help us be able to invest in things like that. But it's easy to do something like that when you feel like what you're doing is making a difference. Amen. We do many things because in our heart we feel that what we're doing is making a difference in some way. But I think one of the things, and God just burdened me with this in the last few days, I believe that one of the things, amen, that is hindering our personal prayer lives too much, amen, is the fact that somewhere along the line we have lost confidence that our prayers are making a difference. Amen. We are looking at prayer as though it is just some religious rite, as though we're doing very little more than just kind of going through some religious ritual of some sort. We've lost confidence somewhere. Amen. Let the Lord speak to us today. We've lost confidence somewhere along the way that when I kneel in prayer, heaven is listening and I'm going to pray a prayer and God is going to help make a difference. And I say, what a, what a lie that hell has conceived because God is still looking for someone that will stand in the gap and raise their voice and say, I am going to speak out. I'm going to cry out against this and heaven is going to hear me and hell is going to have to take and stand at attention. Praise God. God is still looking for someone to stand in the gap. The book of Ezekiel, what an alarming passage. What an alarming writer, Ezekiel. What an unusual man. What a very unordinary and unorthodox fashion that God used Ezekiel. Amen, Ezekiel's writings are very sober. Ezekiel's writings should arrest us when we read behind this man. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30, the Lord said this through the voice of Ezekiel and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me and for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none. I was looking for a voice that would stand. I said last I said last Sunday when I was preaching that the Lord was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah but before he did he said I want to talk to Abraham about this and when he mentioned to Abraham Abraham lifted his Abraham lifted his voice and he said God hang on just a minute we need to talk about this amen and man you hear me today I'm talking about common frail flesh just like everybody in this building a man of God said wait a minute Lord I'm going to lift my voice and with the power of intercession you read it ever how you want to read it but I'm going to tell you that Abraham bartered with the Lord if you please Moses was just a man but he lifted his voice and God heard his cry <laughs> hallelujah again and again and again 
men in scripture. We find those that lifted their voice. Amen. When the queen was sitting on her throne after having been elevated from such an unusual position, she thought for just a moment, I don't have permission to intercede. For just a moment, she said, I don't have what it takes to go before the king. But somebody had to call and remind her that you are where you are, not by chance, but it is the hand of God that has elevated you to be on that throne. And he said, for such a time as this, don't be silent now. Lift up your voice and say something. And I'm gonna tell you that she went to prayer and fasted for three days and went into the presence of the king and saved a nation. Voices. Voices. One man said the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who remain neutral in a time of moral crisis. We're just gonna stand back and we will remain neutral. A German pastor, pardon me for not being able to pronounce his name, became a victim of the Nazi concentration camp and after having survived that hideous ordeal, he made the following observation. His words, not mine. In Germany, he said, they first came for the communist, but I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews. I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, but I didn't say anything because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me, but by that time, there was no one left to speak. So when will we speak? Well, this is not involving, it's not my kids that are backslid. Amen. So when will it involve us? What is intercessory prayer? I think we would figure it out if we had a child in an intensive intensive care. I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'm just trying to wake us up. I believe we would figure out what intercessory prayer if our child was laying on a ventilator and the doctor was saying there is no hope. I think somewhere along the line, we would figure this thing called prayer out. I think we could get a little bit beyond how God is good and God is great. Let us thank you, Lord, for this blessing and this food. I believe that we could get over reciting the Lord's prayer, but I believe somewhere there would be some weeping and some wailing. I believe somewhere our vocabulary, we would reach the end of our vocabulary. At some point, we would reach the end of our academic ability. At some point, we would reach the end of ourselves, and it may be nothing more than unutterable groanings or ununderstandable groanings, but I believe that heaven would hear the heart of a father, and heaven would hear the heart of a mother, and can I hear, help, can I, can I, can I help you to understand today that God will hear the heart and the cry of a church. But we need to lift our voices. We must lift our voices. (laughs) I believe there needs to be a speaking up 
on the part of the church. We gotta stand and be heard. Amen, I'm gonna tell you that... Amen, I'm gonna tell you that we will do more. We could do more on our knees. Please do not take this out of context. But I believe that the church of the living God and Holy Ghost field mothers and fathers and and young people could do more on our knees in prayer than we could ever accomplish wearing a sandwich board walking up and down the streets of Washington, D.C. Amen, hear me today. Amen, the Republicans are not our answer. The Democrats are not our answer. Amen, the Independents are not our answer. I'm gonna tell you today our answer is in thus said the word of God in an altar of prayer. Hallelujah. May God anoint our voices today and may we raise up a banner and may we raise up a standard that will not be quieted in this hour. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Hear me today. I pray for the leaders of our I pray for the leaders of our country. And I pray for our now seating president, seated president. But can I tell you, Donald Trump is not the answer, and Hillary wasn't the answer, and this one wasn't the answer, and that one wasn't the answer. They're not going to fix the ills of this world. Amen. What's wrong with this world is of a spiritual nature. Amen. And it's going to take more than a pen and signing a document. It's going to take more than passing this law or that legislation. Amen. We need church blood bought born again baptized Holy Ghost field that are on our knees lifting our voices I'm talking about men on the job that are not ashamed to be apostolic men I'm talking about women on their job and in their home that are not ashamed to be apostolic women I'm talking about young men and women that are not ashamed in your schoolhouse hallelujah to be an apostolic man and woman and to speak out by lifting our voice. Let's have a praise break. Can we do that? Let's love the Lord today. My God, my God, my God, help us to be connected to this Praise God. Praise God. Join me in Ezekiel again. 
Ezekiel 9 and 1. And he cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near. Even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar and the glory of God and the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called, and he called the man clothed with linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, And the Lord said, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh, not gender specific here, we need to take this into our world, into those that sigh and cry for all the abominations that were done in the midst thereof. Go find the ones that are weeping about what's going on. Amen. I heard a preacher say this recently and I'm inclined to agree. He said he gave some statistics about drunk driving and how many people a day, I think it was even broke down, maybe even more than that, how many people are lives are destroyed per day through drunk driving and he said and really the only people that's speaking up against it are a few mothers that were affected by it I landed on our doorstep we'll get together and we'll protest this and we'll petition the courts and all the while the church was saying I wonder who's singing Wednesday wonder who's preaching wonder what we're doing here. wonder what we're doing there. I, I didn't come to be cynical and mean today and not mean-spirited, but where are our voices that are crying out against this? Amen, where are our voices that are saying, God, you gotta do something about this? Amen, this hasn't landed on my doorstep, but, but he said, I want you to go through the crowd and I want you to find those that sigh. Now, don't be thrown by that terminology because it's not talking about sighing as we think about but those that are troubled those that are stirred those that are weeping amen those he said you go through the camp and he said you mark them on the forehead amen the Lord was sending men to walk out through that camp mark those that knew how to sigh and cry in despair for the spiritual condition they were in amen it's like the Lord was saying if they're weeping those are the ones who count if they're weeping those are the ones who are really connected to this amen and if they're weeping, those are the ones that get how many abominations are taking place right here in the presence of an almighty God. I'm gonna tell you what ought to be stirred in our heart when we see people marching nude and when we see all this perversion marching down Main Street. Amen, it ought not stir us up politically. It ought to stir us up spiritually. Amen, we ought not look to Washington and say what in the world are they gonna do about that or why in the world are they tolerating that? I 
I wonder why we are not on our knees and cry out against this. Amen. And say, God, you have got to help us in this more. Hey, listen, the moral fabric of America is not tearing. The moral foundation of America is not crumbling. The moral foundation of our nation is gone. Amen. We're not headed for trouble. Friend, we're in trouble. It's not raining outside. The floodwaters are coming in. The windows and the doors. Amen. We need to say, Lord God, help us. Amen. That the church would understand. Amen. This is not a talent show. This is not where we just come and flex our muscles and promote our own personal agenda. Amen. But the church house ought to be made up of intercessors that are gathering on behalf of those that are lost, those that are in trouble, those lives that are shipwrecked and in torment. Amen. God help us. God help us. God help us. Amen. Praise God. Ezekiel 9 and 5. He said unto the others, he, he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite not let, and, not, and let not your eyes spare neither have pity. This is pretty brutal. We're talking about going through the camp of people you know. But he said go back if you will Brittany to that the verse real quick. He said to the others, he said, go, go you after him through the city and smite. Let not your eye spare, neither have pity. Now to, that, now to that next verse. And he said, slay utterly the old and the young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. Amen, because the ones who weep there's the ones who really count. Amen. Do you, if we were to put this in, in, in 21st century language and if we were to bring this home today to 503 Southeast Cephas Liston Road, it would be as though somehow we could see not just Sarah but the spirit of Sarah. Because it looks fine from where I'm standing. But if I could see the spirit of Sarah, and she's just here in body only, but she has no intentions of ever being an intercessor. Amen. But then I got over here and I felt that spirit of intercession. So now you need to mark this one here. We need to mark, mark, gonna mark that one. I'm gonna mark that one. Amen. I'm gonna mark those who really care. No, I think she just came for the singing today. Yes. No, here's one. I'm gonna mark him. Here's a man. Here's a man. I feel I'm gonna mark him. I'm gonna mark him. He just came. He's out of obligation. His grandkids are here. He didn't want him answering any questions. He's here for all the wrong reasons. We'll leave him alone. We're gonna leave him alone. We're gonna leave him alone. Mark him. You get the man with the inkhorn by his side. This is all business now. You see. 
Amen. It don't matter what your east. It don't matter what what suit you're wearing. It this won't matter what brand your shoes are. This won't matter what necktie you're wearing. This won't matter. This won't matter what side of town you live on, what street you live on, because you see the man with the inkhorn on the side. He's walking through the crowd, and he knows. And the ones that are weeping, those that are sighing, those that are connected, those that are in despair, those that are distraught, those that those that just cannot spare it another day. Amen. Then he said this. He said then. And they began at the ancient men which were before the house. Pretty specific instructions. Started with the ancient men. And to those ancient men, to the elders, he said, if, if you don't care, he said, don't look with pity. Don't get emotionally involved. You can't say one minute. God, this is Sister Patty. I mean, we've 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 lived only a mile apart for for years, God. And we've known each other our entire lives. He said, "Don't look with pity. Spare not." Is the spirit of the word arresting you like it is arresting me? I I feel the Holy Ghost just all over me. Don't don't look with pity because you see, if they're not weeping, they don't count. So, so who then is the church? Is the church somebody that just has their membership name or their name on the membership roll? Is the church somebody that's this or that's that or the other? I don't want to meander too much here, but, but he said start with the elders. Find those. Mark them. Mark them that are weeping. Mark them that are weeping. We've got to save them, but the rest... We gotta utterly destroy. Because you see, they don't really care. The abominations that are going on in our nation don't bother them. It don't bother them. You know, I was shocked. I'm going back in time, don't really talk about a lot of things political from the pulpit on purpose. But I was so shocked back during the Bill Clinton era when so many illicit things were going on. I was shocked at how cavalier so many people in the church were about that. Well, they all do it. He just got caught. Oh, my God. No matter how factual that may have been, is that really, this is how we're going to treat this? Are we not going to take this to God in prayer? Are we not going are we not going to say, God, there's abominations that are going on in our world. God, there's abominations that are going on in our world. Amen. Starting with the ancient, the aged, Amen, walking through the camp. I wonder who would be spared and who would be taken. Amen. Where are the voices of intercession today? Amen. I don't want to be like the church in Revelation that has simply left my first love. If we have, by all means, then we need to come back. Amen, we need our musicians. We need to come back to where we are if our musicians and singers would come. Amen, we need something that would pull us back to center, something that would draw us back to where we are today. I think it was Wednesday or it may have been last Sunday, I'm not sure. Amen, but I was talking about, I was talking about how that, that the lines are being so blurred in our world today and I'm not repeating this because I'm looking for filler time. Amen, I'm just repeating this because it is just so woven.
been so beaten into my heart about how that God said I want there to be distinction among my people I want you to come out and be separate God has always called the church to be separate always called the church amen Peter referred to the church as a chosen generation of peculiar people amen I believe that God has always called us to be out to separate out there needs to be lines clear lines of distinctions between our young men and our young ladies, clear lines of distinction. Amen. And, and, and maybe years ago, people were wondering what in the world this just seems nonsensical. But I believe that we have lived long enough today in 2017 to understand the importance of young men being young men. Or just let me take out young men being men and women being women. Amen. We don't need to feminize our men. Amen. And we don't we don't need to uh, we don't need our to, to uh, the, we don't need a I don't know what the word is. Mask, yeah, we don't need masculine to uh, masculinize. Amen. I'll say that it may not be right, but Chelsea's not here. Amen. So masculinize, <laughs> masculinize our uh, our ladies. Amen. We need the spirit of the Lord. Amen to call us and help us to want to find our identity. Amen. Who we are. Amen. I am an apostolic man. I'm an apostolic woman. You say, why are you putting so much emphasis on that? I believe if you'll get in the book, you'll find out why. Amen. I want to be a blood-bought man. A blood-bought woman. Women need to be blood-bought. And we need to understand the value of raising our voice. Hey, we need to speak up. We need to speak up. I'm not trying to re-preach last Sunday's message, but the Bible said when I was reading to you in Numbers and Numbers from Numbers chapter 30. Amen. He said that if a young man or a woman still living at home made a vow or an oath and the father heard that, that father on the day that she uttered that oath could raise his voice and say, wait a minute, that's not what she meant. I'm going to veto that. I'm going to, I'm going to erase that. That's not going to happen. Amen. But the Bible was so specific to say, but if he hear her vow and he does not open his, his mouth, then her vow is going to stand. Are you hear me today? The only thing this young lady needed in her life, and it also applied to young men, amen, the only thing these young people needed in their life was a father, amen, and uh, in some cases, if there's not a father, a mother that will stand and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're not going there, we're not going there, we're not going there, not, no, 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 we're not going there. Why? Why? Because there's some that's crying out against the spirit of the Lord. There's something that's grieving the spirit of the Lord. We can't go there. Voices. Let's stand. Voices. You've heard it countless times. It is not original to me. I'm not making a disparaging mark against Sarah of Scripture. But when Sarah come home with that bright idea of just saying, going into Hagar, all he had to do was say something. Say something.
He didn't have to shame her. He could have just gone back to the promise. He said, Sarah, I don't think that's the best route we ought to take right now. But you see, he stood silent. And one day the promise was born. And if you're with me in Scripture, you know one day that promise started ridiculing. I mean, the the son of the bondwoman started ridiculing the son of promise. And it was then that Abraham heard the voice of Sarah again and said, you've got to do something. Now Sarah wants them out. And now Abraham says something. But it's too late. It's too late. The Bible says that he didn't send her away empty-handed if you know the scriptures. But no matter what he packed and sent with her, it had still been born. You can't turn back time in that regard. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I just ask and we're the intercessors today. I'm asking where are the intercessors and not just a handful of this congregation but I'm asking where are the intercessors that say I can't I can't not respond I've got to find my way to a place I wonder today what a shame it would be if we came here and then never lifted our voice I'm asking you today to lift your voice Lift your voice. So, well, I'm not one to pray out loud, but if your house was on fire and your family was burning inside, I believe you would lift your voice. (laughs) If we could see the debauchery of sins, real effect on our lives, not our neighbors, but our lives we would have no trouble crying out today. (laughs) If we knew how sin was affecting our young children right now, (laughs) oh, we could cry, we could cry, we could cry, we could cry. If we could see what sin is really doing to the fabric of America, We could cry, we could cry, we could cry, we could cry. God, take us to a place where we get beyond our own vocabulary. Take us to a place, God, that exceeds our own formal learning. Oh, God, to a place of renewal, a place of recommitment. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. If it's appropriate, join hands with somebody near you. My God, let's just for the sake of continuity get together here today. For the sake of continuity, let's get together here today. 
I wonder how many families could gather together and say, Lord, we're gonna cry. We're gonna lift our voice in this day because I found out, Lord, it's the ones who weep. They're the ones who count. He said, you go mark them that sigh. You go mark them that are clothed and blanketed with despair. You go mark them because they are the ones that are really connected to this. Everybody else has been lulled to sleep. David prayed, he cried, oh God, enlighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Enlighten mine eyes, oh God, lest I sleep the sleep of death. In the name of the Lord Jesus. 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 Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Finding a place between a porch and an altar. Finding a crack, a crevice. Hide me in the cleft of the rock. Oh God, give me a place of prayer, a place of repentance, a place, God, it doesn't have to be a formal altar, but a place of restoration. Oh God, move in my heart, stir my soul, stir my soul, stir my soul, stir my soul, stir my soul. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.